for some things, I have no words. And apparently the same is true for the Italian language. I labeled today's guest as a commercialista. No wonder he hates labels. He is actually so much more than that. Evidently, when someone has his credentials and ability to tax advise and prepare, the Italian language fails. There is no word. And although expertise at this level may come without that one word description, it does come with a price tag. He assures me himself that the complaint we are most likely to hear after this podcast will be around expectations regarding what it costs to hire him. I'm challenging myself and all of us to consider what it might be to step over quarters to pick up pennies in this most important area of Italian taxes. If one person can have deep insight into the complexities of my life that might save me quarters? Is it actually more affordable to hire someone else for pennies? Hmm. He challenges us. If you're not comfortable with his price tag, he's got a list of safe and perhaps less costly providers he trusts with our future. But what do you call another brilliant Italian tax man with a heart of gold? Welcome to episode 13 of Affordable Italy, Living La Dolce Vita on a Bootstring from your tax naive host, Nancy Steele. Ciao. If expatriation and immigration are on your mind, you've looked at Italy and wondered, is it possible? I did. In 2019, I was certain we could do it. In 2020, the world changed. And due to our reaction to it, our situation changed as well. I was no longer certain that Italy was within our reach. Plus, rumors about taxes and visas had me both confused and worried. Thanks to my favorite podcast, Retire There with Gil and Jean, and a bevy of generous immigrants who've gone before, as well as a personality that tends to doggedly seek to turn lemons to limoncello, my dream was rekindled. I decided to get my questions answered directly from first-person sources already experiencing affordable Italy, living La Dolce Vita on a bootstring. Join me as we explore with expats and experts if a future in Italy could be on your horizon. I'm a nervous Nelly. I always try to err on the side of caution. It's hard for me to trust, so whenever I talk to a tax, financial, or real estate professional to determine whether they'll have a role in my life, I always interview five. Always. The only time I have not done that, things have not gone well for me. It helps me a lot to hear differing opinions and to find the person that best fits my personality. I strongly recommend that anyone interested in moving to or paying taxes in Italy follow suit. You don't have to talk to five, but by listening to tax experts on this or other podcasts or watching their social media educational offerings, you can get a better picture of who might be your tax expert. Today, we're meeting a tax expert here and one that I'm certain you're already aware of. Welcome to Affordable Italy, Paolo Rigo. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Here are a few tidbits about Paolo. Paolo was born in Verona. He received his BFA from, and I'm going to murder this, Università degli Studi, Di Verona in economies and marketing. <laughs> yeah, you did great. <laughs> uh, Italian is a challenge. A degree program that normally requires five years to complete. Paolo wasn't messing around. He completed it in three and a half. He's currently a member of the European Institute for Advanced Study on Management. He's certified by the Chamber of Commerce of Verona and is an international tax expert working for a judge at the civil court. He serves on boards both profit and nonprofit, including chambers of commerce, embassies, and consulates all over the world. In 2007, he developed Studio Rigo to fulfill a mission to teach people how to live their dreams while balancing money and happiness. He determined the most important assets he could offer would be the people he worked with and the reputation they would develop. I had the opportunity to learn a little bit about how that has been working out from Paolo's media manager, Simon, who frequently pops up on our Facebook group. Simon said, 
everyone feels really lucky to work with Paolo, not for him, as he's always saying. Simon says he's apparently demanding, but because Paolo wants the team to feel that what they do can really impact people's lives in a deep way. Studio Rigo operates on the premise that democratizing tax education is something that works for everyone, regardless of where you live or how many zeros are in your bank account. Otherwise, tax education and financial teachings only work for the privileged few. Oh, so agree with that. Everything about that statement resonates completely with the intended mission of the Affordable Italy podcast and Facebook group. But as listeners already know, if I haven't actually used a service or a professional, I can't and won't make a personal recommendation. So I'm interviewing Paolo, just as many of you will be. But I have to say, it's only common sense to like a guy whose mission is to share. I usually like to give you some personal details about whomever is on the other end of the mic, but Paolo's legal team was pretty tight. I got a few bits for you though. He still lives and works in Verona with his wife and daughter. He's a sports guy who apparently has been a pretty good soccer player. He strongly believes in taking care of his body and his mind. He reads at least one book every two weeks, which of itself is impressive, but he's got one very suspicious quirk. Paolo is an Italian who does not drink wine. I know my audience though, and they're gonna completely forgive you when they find out that you love cats. Wow, how do you know so many things about me? Oh, I think I have to fire someone before Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, or take up drinking wine. I mean, these are your choices. <laughs> Yeah, and I confirm, I'm still, you know, very far from start drinking. So it's true. I don't drink. That's all right. It's just very unusual for an Italian, I think. <laughs> um, I have to thank you for this amazing introduction. And thank you for making me feel more human to the eyes of the listeners. Absolutely. Yes, you have the knowledge and the credentials, etc. But we need to connect with the person that has so much impact on an important topic in our life, money. Yeah. And I don't know if that counts for all the people that are tuning in or listening to this podcast. But just to give you a sneak peek of what's happening, we had a brief discussion before you know putting everything into practice and we were talking about how taxes can make feel people uncomfortable and feel the tension and feel the risk of making a mistake oh yes i'm wondering how come you're asking me? I think because yeah. we trade our lives for money. We only have X number of hours on this earth. We trade our hours for money. And as we do so, if we make mistakes with our money, we made mistakes with the precious time that we have here. And taxes are an area that would make me feel like I have no control, very little understanding, and I'm vulnerable. So my chances for trading my life for money that's not meaning, you know, not in a, in a meaningful spending way, that scares me. Okay, so what's the best pieces of information I can share with you so I can help people stay away from, you know, bad places about taxes? I think the best thing we can do is hit those areas that people are having some anxiety about today. Hmm. I'm years. What do you want to start with? Well, we polled our Facebook group, Affordable Italy, Living La Dolce Vita on a Bootstring, and we also polled our sister group, Bill Champ's all things 7% flat tax for retirees. In those polls, we discovered three overriding topics. The areas are one, dual citizenship and taxation. Mm. Number two, the ever popular 7% flat tax for retiree had lots of questions. And the third is a new topic, and that is anxiety about what is happening with new potential budget changes and how that will impact people either planning a move to Italy or, or planning to take advantage of some tax regimes that could potentially 
actually change. So these were the three areas that I think mm. were the most popular. Interesting. I love the topics. And let's start with the first one, dual citizenship. Uh, I never experienced that, but I can tell that when you move to Italy and when you start to feel you're getting, you know, your your ties to the legacy, to your grandparents, to your grand-grandparents, uh, citizenship is not a matter of, you know, paperwork to file, it's not a matter of taxes, it's a matter of feelings. So I'm not able to put a label on feelings or a price on feelings. What I can tell you is what happens when you sign that piece of paper. Okay, of course you can vote. I don't know if you like Georgia Meloni or not, whoever will be in charge when you move to Italy as president. But definitely there are consequences you must be aware of before taking care about the whole process. And I can tell it's very tempting to rely to your home country. For example, you say, well... I come from the U.S. I know that they tax me based on my citizenship, so it will be the same in Italy. Okay, it doesn't work like this. Mm. So relax. However, there are a lot of details hidden in the paperwork that you're going to sign. First of all, I'm going to think about, for example, a pension, retirement accounts, saving account, or foreign income. It really depends on the country where you come from, okay? So what I'm sharing with you so far is just an average general overview. Most of the cases, if you come from a country that assign a tax agreement to avoidable taxation with Italy, there are some clauses, and generally there are Article 18, 19, 17, 18, it then speak about what happens about your foreign pension when you move to Italy as dual citizen. So most of the times, I'm talking about 99.9% .9 of the times, so it's a very high percentage. If you get a dual citizenship, both your private pension and your public pension will be taxed. Conversely, if you maintain just the foreign citizenship, like the U.S., for example, a lot of government employment retirement, a lot of, I'm talking about, for example, the 401B, the 403, a lot of retirement accounts that you can set up when you work under the government or any government division would be considered tax-free if you maintain the U.S. citizenship only. Only, not as a dual. So do the math, do the math wisely. So what's going to happen is, well, you're going to have put everything in the taxable basket here in Italy. Mm. So the price of becoming an Italian tax resident will be twice, three times, or 10 times as much. Wow. And then, yes, probably you may say, well, but I just signed for the citizenship, but I'm not a resident yet. I hear this very often. They say, oh, I just signed a couple of pieces of paper, but I still maintain my center of life. I will keep spending 184 days in the U.S. Okay, let's assume you do so and you just want to grab the dual citizenship. But are you sure that you haven't signed to the, for example, to the anagrafe yet because you have to give them a legal address? Are you sure that you haven't opened, for example, a bank account that could trigger some tax liability or leave some clues to the residency to shake you a little bit for taxes? So it's not just the citizenship only. It's all everything that you're asked to do to secure that citizenship. So before, for example, get in touch with an immigration lawyer, and I'll know a lot of good immigration lawyers, by the way, Okay. just ask them, okay, let's assume that I will do everything that it takes to get the citizenship. What else do I have to sign and where and for how long? <laughs> Those are the questions that probably will make them, you know, shake a little bit because they're not prepared, but it's your due diligence. Yes. Ask what's behind. What is the domino effect 
they will start once you sign for citizenship. There were tons of questions about specific retirement accounts and how they would be treated as dual citizens. And this, this is part of that anxiety. Yeah. Let's say that generally speaking, once again, I apologize in advance if I not, cannot give you the list of foreign pensions that cannot or can be taxed because it's very complicated. It really depends on your fiscal status. Okay. But I'm talking about, for example, the so-called social security. They will be taxed no matter what. I'm thinking about the 401k, the Roth IRA. A lot of people complain about the fact, for example, that a retirement account or a pension is considered tax-free in one country and then suddenly becomes taxable here in Italy. Yes, it feels like double taxation with a Roth. Yeah, and it's very unfair. <laughs> exactly my words. <laughs> I know that. Yeah, it's very, very unfair. But mm. once again, and I keep on saying this, you don't have to hate the player. You have to hate the game. Mm. Rules are there. For example, the, the agreement that the US and Italy signed, it's, I'm not saying that it's older than me, but it comes from the late 90s. So take a look before committing with the whole process. Take a look, speak with the immigration lawyer, speak with the CPA here in Italy and ask him, what's the price of me getting dual citizen? Okay. Because for example, I could, I could be working for a government 42 years of my life. I could plan to receive a tax repension. And then just because I want to become a dual citizen for whatever reason, I have to give away 30% of my income for the following years. Is yeah. it worth it? Right. So a comparison kind of scenario from a tax perspective. And of course, you could add into that then yeah, healthcare definitely. and benefits that come from the, the dual citizenship and compare apples to apples and oranges to oranges. Definitely. You can do it before. Yes, absolutely. We did have a, a point on here to define a pension. Would now be a good time to define a pension? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Okay. Uh, let's start with you because I look into you actually. You what? If you, if you tell you, yeah, I love talking to you. <laughs> Thank you. You're making You're me feel much better about me. taxes. Oh, I hope so. Okay, let's assume that you and I are talking, sitting in the bar, having a coffee, okay? And I ask you, if I tell you pension, what is the first image, the picture in your mind right now? Pension. What do you think about? Well, as an American, it's a little bit different, I think, or at least from my perspective. Pensions, as I grew up thinking about them, were what my father had. He worked for a company that for the rest of his life paid him X number of dollars based on what his original salary was, and it came from that company. I'm sure it was paid through some sort of a, a trustee kind of a company. In my life, we have seen that type of pension go away in America. So for me, what I rarely see, but do see sometimes are people who are lucky enough to have been government employees for the US, and they may have received a pension straight from the government for those years of service. To me, Social Security has never been a quote unquote pension. It might be by definition, um, in, in terms of tax purposes. I don't know, it's just not the way I think of it as a lay person. I think of Social Security as something that a tax that I paid into, and therefore them am, am on a scale of reimbursement after I hit a certain age and, and pull that. Am I anywhere near close? I, yeah. <laughs> Your definition totally makes sense. I can tell you what happens behind the scenes with the Revigency. They struggle with this definition a lot mm. because every country has a different way to pay people retire for work. It could be a lump sum. It could be on a monthly basis. It could be three installments. It could be something that you get even if you're working because you turn a certain age. 
So how can you put a label on a foreign pension if you don't know the jurisdiction? And remember that the law that came in uh, in the favor of people retiring from work and moving to southern regions is just for people coming from abroad. Mm -hmm. Yes. And guess what? They are very picky about giving you, you know, the requirements, the definition. But this time they came out with a very incredible, credible invention. They said, we are fine with any kind of pension, any kind. It could be a lump sum. It could be a one-off. It could be a monthly basis. It could be yearly basis. And it's kind of funny because if you take a look on Facebook groups, for example, they keep asking, is my 401k enough to qualify? Is the social security enough to qualify? And we keep on saying, take a look, pension of any kind. How does that sound? Huh. Is this definition more utilized towards residency visas, like the elective residence visa, where you can't work and you have to have a pension? Or is that applied more to something like the 7% flat tax, where you must have a pension? Or is it both? Because I will tell you that there are some consulates in the US that are saying they will not allow you to do withdrawals from your 401k as qualifying uh, passive income. Yeah, you're gonna hate me right now. A lot of people we hate before when I'm sharing. Yeah, they will. I can feel that. <laughs> I don't think it's it, possible. It counts just for the 7%. Okay. So not for the elective residence piece. That yeah, is a yeah. really great clarification and defining that, Paolo. Thank you. So for the purposes of elective residence visa, your 401k is truly not defined as pension. But for the terms of the 7% flat tax, for instance, if a person hasn't pulled social security or something like that yet, if they do have a 401k, that would count. Yeah. That's nice to know. Since we're on the topic of the 7% flat tax, this is always a huge area of interest for people. Talk to us a little bit about how dual status might impact your ability to access special tax regimes like the 7% flat tax, and maybe overall the benefits, pros, cons, and requirements of the 7% flat tax. Mm, wow, it's, it's a three questions mixed in one. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay, uh, honestly, it doesn't matter if you become or not dual citizen. What really matters, believe me or not, is where you come from. Okay. So you have to watch your back, if that makes sense. One of the main requirements, and then this is something that you cannot hear aloud on the internet, is you must come from a country that already signed uh, an agreement with Italy, or let's say a country that is part of the so-called tax information exchange agreement. Let's say that there are, you know, just to give you a picture, uh, there are several countries sitting on the same table, and they like to share and exchange information about mutual taxpayers. If they sign an agreement, they're fine because they know what kind of pension you're receiving. They can, and of course, when I say they can, they possibly can, okay. get in touch with the source of information and double check that actually, for example, you're receiving a social security, you're receiving a pension, if they want to make sure but more likely the process of receiving this information is much more expensive than the result itself. But let's say, the first requirement, you must come from a country that signed the agreement with the common reporting standard. Okay. So I'm not talking about citizenship, for example. It doesn't matter. And then you already know the population limit, 20,000 inhabitants, yeah. uh, all the cities uh, you know that were under the earthquake list and blah, blah, blah. Except for those that are over 20,000. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Except, except for those. the six that are listed over 20,000, yes. Uh, a very, a very, you know, silly question that I hear over and over, but it's not that silly if you think about it is, okay, you said 20,000. Where can I take this number from? Where to find the population? Yeah, where can I find it? And most of all, 
in which date, the current date, the day that I arrived, the day that I signed to the anagrafe, the day that I was born. Uh, it's very easy. It's the January 1st of the previous year. Okay. And what I suggest, I know once again, it sounds silly, but you know, when you, when you go into the practice, you realize that sometimes you can get the best information from a different source. I always suggest speak directly with the, with the comune, with the city hall, with the questura, ask someone to give you that data. Instead of you looking around and surfing around, ask them to give it a data. So if, for any complaint from the residency, you can say, you know what? I had to rely to X, Y, and Z. They give me this number. So in writing to receive yeah. the actual population from the January 1st, prior to the year that you moved, get it in writing from the Comune that this is what their population was if it was under 20,000. Yeah, otherwise, how can you confirm that in case of audit? During this shopping process, many of us are using iStat, the Italian website for uh, statistics, just to see if they're close. But we okay. also always recommend that people talk to the Comune because what if you didn't know if that particular town that's under 20,000 actually belonged under the municipal umbrella of another town? So it was actually a frazione, I think, a frazione. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Is that correct? And I have a hard time finding this. Sometimes, believe it or not, Wikipedia might mention it where I can't find it somewhere else. And you wouldn't want to buy your home and establish yourself in that what you think is a 7% qualifying town and then only to find out that it's actually not because it's part of a larger municipal agreement. So I think going to the Comune has a lot of benefit. Yeah. And by the way, it's free of charge. Oh, nice. <laughs> Save some money, people. Remember that. Yeah, yeah, we'll take all that we can get. And by the way, you don't have to worry about this information as long as you stay in one place only. Meaning? Meaning that if you move to, let's say, place A and the population limit uh, two years from then, you know, goes to 50,000 or 100,000, you're still fine with the requirements because you haven't moved yet. But if you move to another city with a population limit less than 20,000, you have to do the double check again. Right. You you could end up in the same problem with the umbrella. Yeah. You or... don't have to basically follow the ghost towns, the ghost cities, as long as you stay in the South. You can stay there. No problem. And as you know, the, the benefit, well, was intended to last five years. Now you're lucky because they extended to 10 years. So it's a no-brainer. And something that I haven't read anywhere, but I think it's good to know is what happens if you're signing in the 7%, you stay there for a couple of years, and then you pass away. Oh. What are going to do your hairs in your tax return? Can they still apply the 7% on your behalf? Or are you going to pay the full rate? Oh, that's really interesting. Um, one of your hairs can file your taxes on your behalf for that given fiscal year. And yes, it's a big green light from the residency. They can still file your taxes, even though you're not there anymore. Okay. With them using the 7%. So even though you pass away, you don't lose the benefit. Okay, that's nice. Your family doesn't. Yeah, yeah, but for a simple reason. And once again, I know that it sounds very you know, clever about this, but people retiring in the South are not that younger anymore. No. <laughs> so you have to think about it, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not a part of planning that we generally like to pursue, but it is important. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But you have to always think about the plan B. And the pros, well, we already know that is a 7%. And sounds like a bargain. I know that. Because you hear people say, oh, don't move to Italy. 43%, 50%, 70% tax rate. It, it well, frustrates me terribly, though, that people don't apply the progressive tax scale. 
Yeah, you know, once again, as a recap, we have the progressive rates divided into brackets. You pay a certain percentage up to, let's say, 15,000, then another percent, and so on. You will pay the 43% on the part of your net income that we will see that a certain threshold, 50,000. Thank you. So not, relax. It's not a flat tax. Exactly. It's not a 43% flat tax over 50,000. So many people mistake that, but go ahead. Yeah. And you get rid of the wealth tax. So you don't pay, you know, for example, the 34 euros for the foreign bank account. You don't pay the 0.2% on the investment. You don't pay the flat percentage of 0.76% on real estate, but pull the break on. You will pay the 7% on every foreign source of income. I'm going to print it again, not just on your pension only, on every source of income. Could you define that in terms of uh, 401ks or other savings that are there? Is it when you withdraw that it becomes income or is it simply that it's there? It's it's not 7% on the accounts that are there, correct? It's 7% that you would pay on what was withdrawn and became income that year. Yeah. And okay. something that I hear very often is, do I have to pay the 7% on the money that I withdraw from a checking account or a saving account and I put in the Italian bank account? Of course not. It's your own money. Okay. Sometimes the logic works. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get used to it, okay? <laughs> exactly. What would make the 7% a bad deal for an expert? This is the big question. Yeah. What would? Yeah. It seems like... I don't know that the secret formula for everyone. How that can you beat sounds that? Good. Yeah, sounds better than yeah. even the lowest even the lowest income strata of the progressive tax rate is more than that. Yeah, I mean all the cons is just you have to live in a small place and you have to stay for the majority of the year in the fiscal year in the south and that's it. But still a lot of people could leave money on the table. They could, could regret it. Hmm. Sort of like Why a citizenship. Maybe uh, yeah, not only. I'm going to give you some clues. Okay. Okay. A couple. Let's play a game. Okay. Are you better off by paying 7% on 1 million or 23 or 43% on 1,000? Oh, we'll take the 23% on 1,000. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's not about the percentage that you apply. It's the basis that you apply the percentage. Of. There is a, a book that I really love. It's called The Compound Effect. Okay. So I invite you to read it, by the way. I'm not getting paid for that, but let's take a read. Okay. The 7% is a good deal as long as it's the 7% only. Because remember, the 7% is something that you apply on top of foreign taxes paid. I'm going to say it again, guys, okay? Yeah. Listen carefully. You pay the 7% on top of foreign taxes paid. So let's assume that you make 100000 okay? I hope that you're making 10 times as much, but let's stick with round number. 100,000 and you pay 20% in the US in this case. At the end of the year, you're going to pay 27%. Oh my goodness. They don't get to write off the 7% against their That's right. Their dual tax treaty right. situation is not is not in motion there. Yeah. This is how it works. This is how it works. I'll hear a lot of times people complaining about this, but it's very clear to clear. They say the 7% is an alternative tax. So there is no deduction, for example, for home improvements. I hear a lot of time people say, oh, I'm interested in this eco bonus. I want to buy some furniture. I want to redo you know, my bathroom. I want to add some more value to my apartment. Uh, you cannot deduct anything. No deductions. No deductions for uh, home improvements. No deductions for medical expenses. No deductions for educational cost. So see how things can change. Okay. 
This is huge. It, it's a standalone additive tax to your US It's on top. Taxes. This is what happens in Italy. I hear a lot of clients that have the, I, I wouldn't say the privilege, but they can find a way to do flip side, the opposite. They can use the 7% as credit against the taxes paid in the foreign country. They but can. the problem is, yeah, the problem is I cannot guarantee that. It really depends on what the kind of information that you may receive from other jurisdictions, and I don't have the knowledge. So in Italy, I must confirm, and I know it sounds very annoying, that you pay the 7% plus the taxes really paid in your home country. You can find a legal way to deduct the 7% against the taxes to be paid in your home country. God bless you. Be my guest. Do it. <laughs> Having a U.S. accountant working closely with an Italian commercialista is probably important in this kind of scenario. Uh, well, it's always important to have someone speaking to each other because it's very, it's very boring and it takes a lot of effort to bring information back and forth. I know what it feels like. Mm -hmm. So if you have someone able to rely on the same information because they speak the same language, right? Yeah. Numbers on numbers, they could find a way to mitigate the risk and get the credit in the foreign country. But Italy does not give you any, any permission to use foreign taxes paid because once again, they confirm in the same press release, it is an alternative tax. So very often, people that are, let's say, smart and wise, they say, hold on, I know, 7% sounds good. Let me do the math. What happens, for example, if the US rate is 20% and in Italy, I have to pay 23%. Maybe I'm better off by the regular rate, so we'll pay just 3%. Yeah, fascinating. So there are ways that the 7% flat tax can hurt you. Yeah, I know. Um, I really suck at marketing, but I can tell that, you know, if you put two numbers on the table, you put 7%, you pick 23%, everyone could say, oh, give me the 7%. Right. But when you have to measure something in life, when you go to the restaurant, you have to get a comparison, a context. I hope that I gave it to you. Yes, you did. Thank you. I'll definitely do an appointment before we get to the point of pulling the trigger and be having a commercialista compare what our scenario would be if yeah. the 7% flat tax is still there to compare with. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Yeah, That's a good question. Yes. Um, let's talk a little bit about that if we're ready to transition. There are some rumored changes happening across uh, the budget in Italy, which will be voted on in the near future. When do they vote for that? Uh, I, can, I can give a straightforward answer. But if I have your permission, I would like to play Godfather for just a few seconds. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to make an offer that you really can't refuse. Okay. Would you like to address this budget law that, by the way, must be approved by December 31st? Or you want to talk about the definition of legal and tax residency? Oh, let's talk about definitions of legal and tax residency. I knew that. Thank you. I okay. knew that. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I bet that you have more experience about questions that came up from the internet about that. What? triggers more headache about this concept of legal and tax residency in Italy? I think people are concerned right now about two opposing factors. One is most of the time you hear people attempting to avoid tax residency when they first move to Italy. They're hoping that they can get, you know, five months or whatever of living in Italy without having to be responsible to the Italian tax regime. Mm -hmm. But currently I'm hearing a different voice and that voice is, oh no, if things are going to change by the end of this year, do I need to become and can I become a tax resident in Italy 
for 2023 to be able to take advantage of tax regimes before they change or go away. So this is a new concept to me. I've, I've never seen people talking about wanting to become an Italian tax resident sooner <laughs> rather than later. Uh, I think it's all about the FOMO if you're missing out. Absolutely, FOMO. Yeah, well, it's kind of inc interesting because people think about tax residency. Of course, let's start with the easy one. Well, legal residency is when you sign to an agrafe. That's it. And there's no, there's no difficult part about it. If it's something official, if you become legal resident because you signed to an anagrafe, or let me try to rephrase myself, when you ask to an anagrafe to give you the certificate, because there is always a timing of waiting before you get, you know, the officer checking if there is a bedroom, a bathroom or whatever. Yeah, that's official. So, so it's what... the date that you apply. It's the date yeah. that you ask for that permission. Yeah. It's not the date that you receive it. Yeah. And it goes with the same, for example, when you get a long-term permission to stay or a short-term permission to stay. When you get a citizenship, everything official, it's very close to give you the legal residency. And it's based on facts. It's based on signatures. What about the tax residency? Well, we're very lucky because we have two articles. And by the way, everything that I'm sharing with you so far, guys, is based on regulations, not just my guts or personal opinion. Sure. Yeah. I will use a couple of friends. One is the Article 2 of our tax code. And the other one is the Article 43 of the Civil Code. Uh, the Article 2 says that someone is considered, listen carefully, this word consider, tax resident if you're a legal resident for more than 103 days or you stay for more than 103 days. It's an assumption. So based on my experience, if I'm going to stay less, I can prove that I've been a tax resident because it's until proven otherwise. If I stay longer... Repeat that again. Yeah, no problem. And you have to forgive me. I'm really bad at English. I may use No, you're words. wonderful at English. So I just need a second me, to, to absorb that. Okay, no problem. I will send again. They say that you're considered a tax resident if you stay longer than 103 days or your name is listed to the anagrapher registry for more than six months. It's automatically that you're considered a tax resident. So following this logic, if you're not a tax resident, but you fit the requirements, you have to prove that you were not. You have to. It's your due diligence. So let's flip side, okay? Flip side. If I stay less, I have to prove that I've been a tax resident. Oh. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. The burden of proof is on you, but at least there's opportunity either way. Yeah. Always. Okay. You have to thank the civil law, not the common law. <laughs> so complex. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. If it were easier, probably I would be unemployed, right? <laughs> this is so true. <laughs> You'd be playing soccer. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I'm not that young anymore, but yeah, I can do something. <laughs> Let's take a look about how you can become a tax resident based on your behavior. Okay. Since that is something that is not signature based, you can become tax resident. How? Proving that the domicile, and I'm talking about Article 43 of the Civil Code, was being in Italy for the majority of the year. There is a, a you know a very small definition of domicile. Domicile basically is the center of your life, center of your interest center of your whole ties. Okay. It's something like, prove me that you cut off sugar in your life. And then you can say, yes, I got rid of, you know, candies. I got donuts. Are you sure that there is no sugar, for example, in the bread? There is no sugar in the milk. There is still a tiny percentage of sugar. Same for chances for you to become a tax resident, regardless the legal residency. It's all about the card that you have in your hand. I know it sounds now like... I'm give you a loophole and give you something you can dream about. But actually, 
It's something that your country of origin, more likely, and Italy predicted years and years ago. I wasn't born yet. Let's take a look about the international agreement between, let's pick US okay. and Italy, Article 4. They say, Article 4.2, sorry. They say that in case you are a dual tax resident, you must decide what your center of your life is. You will pay taxes in one country only. Why did he say that? Because two countries could consider you a tax resident based on different factors. Hmm. One country, the US, could consider you a tax resident because you're a citizen. Italy could consider you a tax resident because your name was listed there for more than 103 days. Okay. So where your tax residence is, your call. Wow. Now, just to clarify, if I haven't lived in Italy for 184 days of the year, I could still prove that that was my domicile if I have the right proof to do that. Yeah. I'm going to use, with their permission, my wife and my daughter. Okay. Okay. Let's say that, of course, I'm stretching the logic right now. Okay. Don't take my word for that. Let's say that I, I'm based in Verona. Okay. I live in Verona. My, my, my first property is in Verona, but I love New York City. Mm -hmm. And I bought a flat there. And I moved there on January 2nd. And then I got sick. And I had to stay there until January, sorry, December 31st. And then I came back. 362 days abroad based on the definition of tax resident if also i register to ira you know the registry of tax resident abroad based on the records based on the definition i wouldn't be a tax resident of italy at all i should be a tax resident of us but where do you think my ties are depends on what you have back in italy i have a property i have a bank account i have a motorbike i have a car i have my family i have my parents i have my investment account I have my soccer club card. I have my friends where my center of life is. And this is why when it's based on the definition of where you've been tax resident, they don't apply just the local rules. They apply the so-called tie breaker rules. Oh, wow. It's a list of things that can define your tax residency based on the whole package of your life, not just one number, more or less than 103 days. Okay. Now let's look at the opposite though. I want to prove, I want to be a resident of Italy within 2023. And mm -hmm. I only vacationed there maybe two months earlier in the year, but now I really, really want to take advantage of 2023 from a tax standpoint. If I don't have proven center of life, is there any way to trigger tax residency in an emergent manner for 2023? I don't like answers based on black or white. Okay. Let's say the chances are slim or none. I'm a straight shooter about this. Okay. However, if you can prove, for example, that you stayed instead of an Airbnb or booking.com, you stayed on a temporary agreement, rental agreement, like more than six months, for example, even though you just, you used just a couple of weeks, maybe you're giving me some, you know, joker card to play on the table. I'm not saying that it's possible, okay? Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. And don't cut this phrase on the post-edit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I but, will not. I love disclaimers and I understand but, completely. But it's possible. Once again, it's all about details. And on the, on the side, and this is my ammunition for all of you, never compare. Because what could work for you couldn't work for the, for the guy next to you. Okay. And flip side, if you, if you see someone failing a tax residency test, maybe you can pass it. Okay. Okay. 
is there time for somebody to try and and do that and salvage what they want to salvage for the end of the year? Uh, they have time until December 31st. Maybe they already have, you know, the blood sugar that is much more than the average and they don't know. Okay, this is true. Maybe, maybe they do have ties. Yeah, maybe they do have everything, you know, based on their records and they're not aware it's okay. possible for them. So pursue it and do your research to find out. Yeah, and please consider this as a test. So put a cap on everything uh, you will face. And I think there is something we can we can address during this conversation. They will face plenty of professionals claiming, oh, you can become tax resident no matter what. It's a last chance to move forward. And if you give me, let's say, 5000 I give you the guarantee that you can become a tax resident and apply for the 7% no matter what. Stay away from those options. Okay. You don't need that. Just do your due diligence. Get in touch with, I don't know, a tax firm, an immigration lawyer. You just run a test. Be open to whatever comes. Either way, either for the positive yeah. or for the negative. But it's already up to you. Yeah. But remembering that maybe maybe grabbing an alternative tax regime might not even always be in your best interest. So it is important to kind of get that whole look, that total look at your finances and taxes before you were to decide to make something so drastic happen at the end of the year. Yeah. So this leads us to the overriding anxiety that's occurring across all the immigration <laughs> groups for people looking to move to Italy. And there have been um, obviously some news artic articles that had happened. This is November 23, 2023. Happy Thanksgiving to anyone who's celebrating Thanksgiving. There have been some news articles recently that have shared some potential changes to the Impatriati regime. I know people are concerned about the 2000 uh, euro per person application of a fee for healthcare. That's not part of today's topic, really. That's more of a residency issue, probably. But the other thing that has happened that kind of raised a little bit of hair on the back of my neck was you did mention in one of your videos, 7% um, in one of those potential that anything can happen between now and the end of the year, the 7% could change. So speak to us a little bit about what you know about what potentially could be happening in the, the world of Italy's tax regimes and budget laws and how we might respond to that. Mm, I hope that I will not get sued by Giorgia Meloni who are part about this, oh. but I'm not sure. I'm an accountant myself. I uh, hope you can tell from the way I speak. So I'm not sure they have enough resources to cover all these you know, promises that they came with. So they have to cut something. And as you can tell, the 7% or any tax benefit, any tax break given to expats moving to Italy needs resources on the other hand. It's about the resources. If you give a discount to people coming to Italy, you have to charge someone else more. It's a balance. It's pretty easy to understand. Uh, this is the reason why they're giving less to people moving to Italy because they don't have enough resources to cover it in the long run. Uh, I'm pretty sure that the 7% will still be there so don't rush, don't pack everything, and don't forget about your wife because you have to jump on the plane. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Relax. Rush uh -huh. is the number one enemy for your taxes in Italy. Remember that. What is? Rush. Rush. Rushing in general. Rushes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what could happen is they could, you know, reduce the years of the benefit. Instead of ten years, you could get a five years break. Uh, they could reduce the percentages. Instead of you know 70 or 90% off, more likely we'll get 50% back. 
they could increase the number of years that you have to stay committed to stay here in Italy. I'm talking about the impatriate regime right now, uh, shifting from two to five years. And maybe they can give you more restrictions, more requirements to fit in order to leave some people out of, out of the door. But once again, I should probably wear my fortune teller cap yeah. to tell you what happens. Yeah. Could you break the impatriati regime down a little bit for listeners? Because I think a lot of people don't actually know what we're talking about when we talk about potential changes and what, what has been said in the media. Uh, okay. Well, are you talking about the current regulation or what's going to happen more likely? Both. Define what somebody would currently be looking at, taking advantage of if they were to apply that regime, and then explain what could potentially be changing. Okay. Before sharing this, we started this conversation, you know, off records. And I promised that I did, <clears throat> I would do my, my best to make this nice lady laughing at the end of oh. this conversation. <laughs> So I'm going to use a metaphor, okay? Okay. In 2016, you were an expert and you were sitting on the table. You were uh, a brilliant guy in your 40s. And there are two ladies sitting at the table with you. One is Portugal and one is Italy. They're desperate. They're doing everything that it takes to get married. So <laughs> one is saying, move here. I'm going to give you 0% taxes for 10 years. And Italy says, how oh, can I beat that? Uh, I'm desperate. I'll do whatever it takes. Okay, let's move here. I'm going to give you 90%. 90% if you move here for 10 years, okay? As long as you stay here. It doesn't matter how much you're making. 90%. So translating this into numbers, Italy was trying their best to attract people from other countries. And they're giving you, I'm, I'm saying they're giving you because it's still on. They give you a discount on the tax basis. So if you're making 100,000, for example, you still apply the regular brackets, the 23 to 43% but on a reduced basis, 30% uh, or 90% if you move in other regions. And by the way, in the latter, you don't have to respect the revenue limit population. So uh, that's very interesting because it leaves more opportunities on, on the way. And you can get the extension if you buy a property, if you have a kid, to five years plus, so 10 years in total. Uh, it's very interesting, but however, on the flip side, you have to prove that you've been abroad in the last, let's say, couple of years. Uh, you have to stay committed to Italy for at least a couple of years. And most of all, there must be a close connection between your arrival and the day you start working remote or working here in Italy. But definitely for, for young people, for people that are still working and have the privilege of the opportunity to, to, you know, to get a, a job opportunity here in Italy or keep working for the same company as a remote worker, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. So, yes, it's a good incentive. And Italy is still desperate, by the way, uh, but she doesn't have enough resources. <laughs> so she's saying, mm, let's do it. But this time I'm going to give you 50% back. Okay. Are you still okay with that? That's the best <laughs> I can do. Will you still date me? Yeah, I'm still or okay marry with me. that. Please don't marry me. Yeah, since that Portugal in the meantime, you know, left the table because she's yeah. not able to afford you anymore. Uh, there's a higher chance for you to get married with Italy. Who knows? Oh my goodness, what a fantastic analogy. I never saw Italy as a desperate woman seeking marriage, but thank yeah, you. Yeah, this is how it works. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. So Paolo, I thought that Portugal took theirs off the table because they had gotten married, life was good, there were many children, they were receiving income from all the immigrants that moved there. Not so much so, it's actually a stressor to these governments when they offer us tax incentives. It is, it oh. is, because basically they're giving you a free ticket for the right 
Okay. But I don't know if you know how it works when you go with, uh, you know, with, um, with the opportunities to have a meal in fancy restaurant. They give you, oh, you can have everything you want. You just pay 1999 Mm-hmm. And you'll see people, you know, trying to eat as much as they want, like men versus food. You know what I mean? <laughs> because they say, oh, I really pay for that. I'm going to get as much as I can. Yes. That's, I don't that's care if American. I'm going to die on the table. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to eat as much as I can. So or if same it's people. even good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Because yeah. It's, it, it's, it's free to your eyes. Yeah. And this is why they have to, to stop it. Because otherwise people keep moving and they keep starting the business. They squeeze the lemon and then they leave. Okay. How does it feel like to feel used? Right, right. Well, then you're the the gal standing in the dirty wedding dress with no groom next to you, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. play, you know, a, a dirty joke right now. But we are adults. Uh, how does it feel like, you know, when you have, you know, a fancy dinner with someone, you have a romantic night with someone, and then after a couple hours, she said, "Okay, I'm gonna leave. I have to wake up early." <laughs> you just got jilted. You feel used. Yeah. And this, what happens? Okay. With this country giving you these tax breaks because they don't have resources to cover it. They want to convince you to stay here longer. But as I keep on saying on our social media and my people, there must be a balance between money and happiness. And a lot of people move to Italy and they're happy because they pay less. Yeah. Oh, but maybe not so fair to the people who were there before, the people of Italy, if they're actually ending up sh- shouldering the the burden that we oh, can can we can we shift to the to the next topic because as as you know I'm I'm here since 1983 and never got a discount oh. for the loyalty. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I think the idea is that we'll come and spend that we'll spend enough to make up for that. But yeah, I don't really understand how the money shifts. Mm. Huh. Yeah, no problem. You you understand how it feels like for us to keep talking about incentives for others. Yes. And they keep on staring you using the benefit. Yeah, yeah, that you're shouldering that. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. That's not nice. That's not nice. Have not looked at it from the other <laughs> side. All. Thank you for that. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for that. Okay, great insight. Are there some deadlines that we should be thinking about that you can't miss or you'll lose benefits? Yes, there are always deadlines. And it's kind of funny here in Italy. And I can tell because I live here. They give you deadlines. But the time that you need something by a certain date, they stretch it. They have the permission to play with the time, with a with a calendar, but you have to fix the date. It's very unfair from my perspective. When you also deal with, for example, with entities such as a Ravi Agency, the Questura, uh, the, the Comune, the Town Hall, they always like to play the game like, oh, it's not on me. I don't know how much it will take. I don't know where you're going to get the certificate. I will let you know. Okay. But flip side, you must file your taxes by a certain date. If you don't, they're going to charge you. Yes. <laughs> okay. It's very unfair. So what are the dates that you have to save and circle on red on your agenda? Well, I would say um, the end of June at the end of November of the following fiscal year. I'm going to say it again. Following. Is it clear enough? Yes. So no one is going to give you the, the tax bill once it will land or the following month. You pay taxes by June and November of the following calendar year. And you better do that. And this applies also if you do want the 7% flat tax regime. This also qualifies for your residency in the right comune that would 
trigger the 7% flat tax potential for you, correct? This was correct. a misunderstanding that somebody just clarified for me recently. I thought you had to move to the 7% flat tax, like, like as in, you know, land with your suitcase in the 7% flat tax town. And this was now where you're going to be to be able to apply for that. But in fact, you could actually move around Italy a little bit from say November or, or actually June, the end of June through that whole next 18 months to be able to land in your 7% comune to be able yeah. to trigger that. Uh, there's always some flexibility as long as you can prove that you spend the majority of your first fiscal year in that comune, in that town hall, in that city, okay, with the population limit and blah, blah, blah. Good clarification. <clears throat> And a lot of times I hear people that, you know, they, they, uh, I don't know, it, it, it's kind of funny. I love speaking with people. I love what I do for a living. Okay. And they start with a louder voice and then they go quiet and say, do I have the permission to, to rent a second place and move there if it's not like the city? I say, what? what, what do you mean? And they go louder and they say, well, if I don't like my city anymore because it's, it's crowd of, you know, old people and I want to move to Florence. And I want to actually live in Flores. Am I allowed to do so? That's a good question. Mm. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a tax consultant, so I'm mm -hmm. not able to provide any sneaky ways. Mm -hmm. And I bet everyone listening right now is able to read between the lines. As long as you maintain the legal residency and the tax residency, it's up to you to use your life as you want. You know, I think when Italy was dating, I think that, <laughs> that they're, I think they're, I think they, offered that assuming that the morality would be there i'm sorry to say that i know it's very unpopular when i do but i believe that they actually expected people to live and spend their money in those seven percent flat tax qualifying towns and i unfortunately think they overlooked that as a loophole and i do think that people do just that they move out of the seven percent yeah, Mune that they're in, and they're actually living and spending somewhere else. That bothers me. And I could see, you know, if there are potential changes coming on the horizon, maybe some some folks have kind of helped. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 all about you, your headache. Let's say that if you want to behave like how the program was meant to be, you should stay there for the majority of the time. Yes, no one can deny the 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 right for you to move everywhere, not just in Italy, okay, even in the European Union or everywhere, for example. But remember that you benefit from a huge discount. So you should give something back I to agree. to decide how and what. Yeah. And what do you value? Do you value those places that are beautiful and need your money in your life? So Yeah, definitely. We're desperate. I can confirm that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm willing to date and marry. <laughs> <laughs> and stay loyal. <laughs> and stay loyal. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, does that lead us to some time for questions? You still doing okay on time? I have I have something oh, to, to share with you. Let's say for, for for instance that you forget about filing your taxes. It may happen. Okay. You have 90 days to fix that. So if you skip the first uh, deadline because you forget about this or because you had something more important to deal with, you have 90 days to fix that. But hold on. If you miss that last opportunity and you screw your first fiscal year, you're done. There is no benefit for you anymore. Okay. The first fiscal year is the 
is the milestone, is the key for the following nine. So at least behave for the first one. Well, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to let one of you guys do that for me. <laughs> we're going to be in con constant communication when it's my turn. <laughs> okay. I think we're missing something, uh, when to hire and when not to hire oh, a professional. This is good. Yes. This is something about, uh, considering that I, I run a business myself, it sounds like I'm selling against what I do for a living. Mm -hmm. I know it's kind of funny, but remember that we are human beings. Yes. We're not just, we don't run around with a dollar sign on your head or with a euro sign on your head. We are human beings. So uh, a professional, a tax professional or an immigration lawyer is just someone that you have to pay, not because other people tell you to, or because you feel like you have to, but because you have to, you have a need to satisfy and there are different levels of professionalism. There are different levels of quality. There are different levels of responses and answers that you can get. As I said at the very beginning, if you need just to check if there is an opportunity for you to become a tax resident, you don't need to spend that much. It's just a simple case. It's just a list of questions, details, and then get an answer. And following from that, you must understand even how there is a tax firm that is a good fit for you. Mm-hmm. Flip side, let's say that you found the best tax firm ever. They speak the way you love. They, they dress the way you love. They, they are right next to you. So you don't have to take the car to speak with them. And very often, they lock you in a one-year engagement. Oh, this is what happens. Because they want to secure the money, right? Oh. They see an opportunity. They want to catch you. Mm -hmm. Like you, you eat what you catch. You eat what you kill. This is what happens in the business. Oh. But let me tell you something. How can you how can you engage with someone? How can you marry someone deciding at the first date? Right. So my piece of advice is start always with a small engagement and see how they behave. If they respect the timing, if they respect the timeline, if they give you what you want. I'm going to give you an example. About very often, people say, I need a tax return. And then they stop. I need uh, a checkup of my residency. And then they stop. Uh, I always play this kind of game. I say, okay, let's assume that you just need a simple tax return. Okay, tax return, two words. Very easy to understand, right? Okay, let's play a game. Let's draw a knife. Let's draw a knife? A knife, yeah. Why do we let's want to draw, draw a knife? Because how many ways there are for you and I to draw a knife? How many ways there are to draw a knife? Yeah, several. <laughs> okay. It could be something they use to cut the bread. It could be something they use to cut uh, a pizza. It could be something they use to cut a piece of meat, yes. different lead. Okay. But it's still a knife. Yes, that's true. How many ways there are to file a tax return? Oh. Maybe you need just a recap. Maybe you need someone explain to you how to reach that number. Maybe you need someone to grab the numbers on your behalf. Maybe you don't need to file your taxes because you're not a tax resident. <laughs> how do you know? Get in details and be demanding. Okay. Don't be fine with what they have. Okay. Be obsessed by getting what you need. Does it make sense? And and so protective of of yourself as well. Like you're saying, yeah. vet vet the person you're trusting with your your money because you're trusting them with part of your life. Yeah, and making decisions is so risky in life. <laughs> I mean, for example, when I go to the restaurant, and this is something that drives my wife nuts, I take between fifteen to twenty minutes to take a look at all the all the menu. Mm -hmm. Because I see, okay, if I take this, I'm missing this one. What if it tastes better? Okay, let me take a look at other tables to see what they're 
trying to have okay sure and you sure. try to guess if, if if that one that you you want to order okay mm -hmm. if you feel the risk of just ordering a meal that i don't know it's 20 bucks 25 bucks let's translate everything into 1000 agreement 5000 agreement it's so risky what happens if you make a mistake what happens if you trust the wrong the wrong firm so let's break your needs in small pieces and just start with a couple of questions try as you just said at the very beginning i love that attitude try five try six okay. and compare data fees and trust your guts yeah 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 so important um someone recently reached out yeah. to me to tell me that they had a commercial listed that was recommended to them they had no other contact with this person she submitted all mm -hmm. of her tax information to the commercial estate they wanted her okay. to submit the full amount of tax to them which then they would pay to the agencia does this sound normal to you because in the u.s we would never submit our money to a commercial lista or an accountant to pay for us never never do that never yeah, do that it, it's it felt risky. a little yeah it felt a little odd so this was an example where I think it would be really important had she had the ability uh, to vet that person that she was using a little bit more so that she could feel more comfortable when things were different than what she thought they would be. Super yeah. And by the way, just because it's it's a very useful topic, this one, you don't need an Italian bank account to pay your taxes. You can go to any post office or bank office and pay that for using also a foreign credit card. They don't care as long as you give them money. As long as you give them money. Okay. <laughs> good. Good. And this is something also that I would like to share with all of you. Uh, it, it's fine to, to feel scared and to not be able to understand completely all the information that you may get from a professional. It could be a lawyer, a commercialista, whoever. But it's your due diligence to stop when there is something weird happening. Yes. That doesn't make sense. For example, if you take a look about the draft before submitting a contract or a tax return and you read something that, you know, it doesn't match with your expertise, it doesn't match with the logic, never sign it. Pull the brake on and ask for more details. It's your duty. It's your right. Absolutely. Protect your money, protect your life. Always. Mm -hmm. We do have a few listener questions if we have time for those. Sure. Okay. And some of these, I know you've already clarified in conversation, but it's, it's sometimes nice as a recap. If a U.S. dual citizen, dual U.S. Italian citizen, and his non-dual wife are wanting to pay for private health insurance for her while they're living in Italy, is that normally a write-off? Okay, uh, it really depends on the on the private insurer itself. And I'm gonna, I can say, piece a lot of people off about this topic. Okay. Let's forget about any huge deductions you may get in your own country, okay? Oh. That fairy tale is that once you land it. The best deal you can get here in Italy is a percentage of those huge expenses, like 19% of that. And most of the cases, they give you a cap. So you can deduct 19% up to 500, nothing more than that. Oh my goodness. So if you're doing something for tax purposes, don't move a hand. Does that make sense? Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Health insurance and write-offs. That's eye-opening. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't realize it would be so small. Yeah. It's it just, you know, nickel and dime. Yeah. One listener would like to establish residency in her ancestral commune in Tuscany. She says... My fear is that if it goes beyond July 3rd, 
even though we weren't allowed to work during the process, would that mean that my 7% option would be off the table? And how, if at all, would it affect the 30% option if I chose that? What is the timeline once in Italy for signing up for these? So her question really has to do with landing in Italy temporarily in her ancestral comune of Tuscany. She wants to be able to move south to take advantage of either the impatriati regime or the 7% tax regime. What does she need to watch out for there in terms of timing? If you address that, let's assume that she has the chance to register with the anagraphy in the very first time in Tuscany. Uh, she doesn't have any more time to register for the majority of the fiscal year in the South. So I don't see any chances of winning in this case. Okay. But of course, I'm basing everything on what I heard so far. Right, which, is, which isn't much. But that's good to know that if you wanted to access your citizenship rights from a non-Southern comune, it might be best to do that very early in the year. Yeah, in the first semester. Yeah. One woman writes, we own a condo in Italy, and as a dual Italian citizen, will I be considered a tax resident because I own a property if I stay longer than 90 days, but less than 183 days? And this could go into that discussion that we had about proving. It's up to you to prove whichever way that you want it to go, correct? Yeah. Uh, okay. I would like to ask this you know, lady or this gentleman if they bought the property under the Beneficio Prima Casa or not just for all the people tuning in this topic for the very first time, there are a couple of options when you sign the deed in front of the notary, they're going to ask you, how are you going to use the property? Are you going to move there somewhere in the future? And very often they offer you a couple of options. One is you pay 9% registration tax and the other one is 2%, but you have to basically commit to move there as tax resident within 18 months. But people usually just stop when they see 2%. They don't care what's left. They say, oh, 2%, I'm going to take it. But Here but if you do again. so, you're going to give you know a, a, a free ticket to the revenue city to shake you one year from now because you made a promise here. It's a self-statement. You're going to move there. So how much you paid, two yeah. or nine? Let's yeah. take a look. Yeah, overall, because you just triggered some yeah. other things as well. Yeah, oh, so tricky. Here's an interesting one. This is the second time this has come up in our group. Will our son's social security income be taxed? He's 19, disabled, and we are his legal guardians. He cannot work and his only income is social security of about 18,000 in euros, depending on the exchange rate. I got it. Well, for once, I can tell the taxes are fair from this point of view. Hmm. Let's forget about regulations. Let's forget about tax rates. How would you consider a pension that is getting from someone that has a disability, income or support from the government? Mm, the way it ought to be, support from a government. <laughs> that's right. So it wouldn't be considered personal income here in Italy. Okay, that's wonderful. And again, the Italian heart does sometimes show up in taxes. <laughs> Our co-founder asks, what income taxes do you incur buying Italian property with U.S. funds, in particular, cashing out retirement funds, creating a U.S. taxable event. This may be more for the U.S. side. I guess so. If you cash out something, generally speaking, here in Italy, you pay the personal income tax. If you're talking about, for example, cashing out something from an IRA or Roth IRA, it's considered personal income. It's not considered a capital gain. Okay. But for the U.S. side, I don't have the, the knowledge. Sure, sure. Is there anything else that you and I didn't 
didn't cover. Because taxes are so far over my head and I'm not a money person, I feel like I'm always 10 steps behind you guys. And I can't, it takes me so long to assimilate and process it. I, I'm always so slow at that. Uh, but do you feel like we answered their, their questions and especially their urgency for the end of the year? Yeah, I think we, we addressed everything. And please remember that uh, when we're talking about taxes, it's it's okay to to get a a bad feeling at the first look because taxes are very annoying, are all about details. But I'm thinking about all the people retiring from work and you know willing to spend the let's say the last chapter of their life in Italy. How much effort and time did it take you to to put that money aside? Yeah, remember that. So when you feel like oh. I want to I want to get done with my taxes right away. Remember that there's years and years of sacrifice behind you that deserve you to pay attention to details. Yeah. Don't mess everything because you want to rush or because you're lazy or because you think you really have the answer because you did your taxes yourself in your home country. It's okay to admit that you need some help and it could be for example listening to this podcast. But at least invest some time to get an overview at least yeah absolutely and there's so much more to italian taxes i would never feel comfortable doing it on my own so thank you for letting me interview you today to see if you're my tax expert <laughs> it's been my pleasure plenty and by the way i would i would like to to give a shout out to to nicola bolla he's a brilliant guy i never had the the privilege to meet him in person or to work with him but I know for sure that it does great things for expats. So if you need someone, get in touch with them. So far, it's tough because I like both of you <laughs> that I've interviewed. But really, really good information. And I love your heart for sharing. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Anything else we want to add? Well, it really depends where you're going to put this podcast on on social media. But if it's later in uh, in this year, happy Christmas, everyone. Ah, thank you. We'll get we'll get it out there before that for sure. I'm going to link your Studio okay. Rigo information so people can get a hold of you. People interested in this sort of advice before the end of the year and urgently, probably in the next couple of weeks. What would be the best way for them to contact you then? Just through the email? Email, social media, whatever works for them. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing today. Thank you once again. It's been my pleasure. Have a great night. You too. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like us and subscribe for more. We will continue to explore regions, towns, taxes, and tips here and on Facebook at Affordable Italy, Living La Dolce Vita on a bootstring, at Instagram under the same name, and eventually italyisaffordable.com. If you know anyone who is living in Italy who'd like to converse with me, I'd love to meet them via my email, italyisaffordable at gmail.com. And now for that much-anticipated limoncello. Chin-chin! <laughs>